Wake me when you need me, Master Chief. Welcome to Navi Tales. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh. I am Nick. And today we are talking about the Halo franchise. With a franchise like this, it, it kind of goes into our Skyrim shit, where we have so much to talk about, and there's so much to talk about in such a big universe. We're going to just kind of go through the timeline of it real quick, and then probably revisit it later with things like revisiting the Covenant, revisiting the Flood, revisiting all things like that. Um, and on top of this, we said it in maybe our first episode ever, but pretty early on, that we kind of like found games that really drew us to video game lore. And to me, Halo really pulled me in. Like, and specifically when Halo 3 was out, so we're talking Halo 1, 2, and 3. Like, that was all that was out at that point. So much speculation and theory and all that, like, really, really got me into diving into stuff like this. Uh, and, I, and I really want to revisit that. Uh, unfortunately, I have fallen off of the franchise. Uh, I've the last one I played was four, um, and I wasn't a huge fan of it. But I digress. It's still an incredible franchise, uh, up through Reach, in my opinion. So, uh, and so I wholeheartedly support it. You haven't played a fucking game of Halo in your life. Yeah, I never owned an Xbox of any sort, so never played any Halo. Except for if I went over to my friend's house and we played like a couple matches. That was about it. Dude, was about Halo, the extent of it. Halo was like towards the tail end of like split screen campaigns. Yeah. We could totally play at some point. I still have my 360 somewhere. So like it's totally doable. I just have to dig out fucking everything. <laughs> so we have to find everything. Yeah. But uh man, I could still see every I, I still know how to do every Easter egg in Halo 3. I probably put I, I think the only games that rival the amount of time I put into Halo 3 are like The Witcher, League of Legends in college, and World of Warcraft. Like they're that's how much time I put into Halo 3. Like and World of Warcraft was over like a decade. But um with uh and The Witcher, I mean I just had an addiction to that. <laughs> yeah. League of Legends, all my friends played, so I played a lot of League. Uh, but, um, yeah, so we're going to dive into kind of like a basic timeline of it before we go into more specifics, because there's so many specifics we can go into that have their own timeline and setup. So in the years uh, 2160 to 2200, various governments and factions fought for control of Earth and its first colonies. As overpopulation and unrest on Earth mounted, new political movements formed including the Jovian Freedian, uh, the Kozlovics, led by Vladimir Kozlov, re uh, resurgence of fascism and neo-communism, which waged the interplanetary rainforest wars and Mars clashes, and were defeated by the victorious United Nations Space Command, who emerged as the rulers of most of humanity. Or the UNSC, as you'll see plastered fucking everywhere. While the UNSC became the governing body for most human space, it never fully defeated various rebel groups. By 2517, the UNSC was facing extremely low morale due to the ongoing near-civil war dubbed the Insurrection. In order to remove the rebellion without a significant sacrifice of human life, a Dr. Catherine Hensley, 
moves forward with the Spartan 2 project. 75 gifted children were abducted and replaced by Flash clones and drafted into the UNSC. UNN, UNSC. The children went through rigorous training in physical augmentations. Codenamed Spartans, these genetically enhanced troopers, were trained from the age of six into a life of battle and would become the, a great asset against the rebels and from 2525, the Covenant. Yeah, um, fun fact about the Spartans, the name of the Spartan ar- armor is Mjolnir. Like the, the big armor that's become iconic. It's, yeah. co- it's called Mjolnir Mark something. And I'm just like, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's dope. I like that. Um, although I wish they hadn't related Spartans to that. I, I get why they did Spartans, but like if they did Spartans, I would have called like the armor like uh, Glaive or... Uh, Something Greek, yeah. Um, Nordic. If you, if you, yeah, if you don't know, Mjolnir is the name of Thor's hammer. Uh, it's but which I, I like. I prefer as a a mythology buff. I prefer Nordic mythology over Greek mythology. Um, it's just always been funnier to me, dude. There's an entire story about called and the this is the literal translation of it. It's politically incorrect, but you need to understand that like. This is the literal translation of the story. Thor the Transvestite. It's about the time Thor dressed up like a woman to go get his hammer back. It's fucking brilliant. Obviously, it was all Loki's idea. I love Norse mythology. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, on February 3rd, 2525, the UEG colony of Harvest detected an unknown object on its long-range radar. The object was constructed with materials unlike anything seen before. All contact with Harvest was lost soon after. Ships sent to the system revealed that it was destroyed by an alien group, the Covenant. A battle group was sent, but was defeated by the technologically superior Covenant ships. Only one ship made it back, the CMA Heracles. They returned with a message that was sent to them, pre-translated, saying, your destruction is the will of the gods, and we are their instruments. Ooh. The Covenant's so fucking cool. It's so metal. Like, when you really dive into it, like, you deal with the prophets. Like, the prophet of regret, the prophet of, like, oh, they're so fucking cool. The only thing, and, and as cool as the Covenant is, the Flood is even cooler, in my opinion. Because they have the grave mind, who I still quote to this day. I was about to say, that sounds like something out of Destiny, and then I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, no, the, the Grave Mind, think the Vex, but organic. Okay. They, like, were space zombies. Like, they got infected, and then they would turn infected flesh into soldiers. But once enough of the Flood infected uh, beings and gained enough flesh, they would gain a hive mind called the grave mind, which was sentient and fucking and fucking could talk and like talks to the master chief and stuff. It's so cool. Damn. Like he, he talks a lot of time in verse. That's dope. Like, hold up. I want to get my favorite grave mind quote because fuck it. Fuck it. We're a lore podcast and this is lore. Oh, and it gets even cooler. If you look at the halo soundtracks, there's certain tracks that have quotes from the grave mind on it, um, but they're backwards. So you need to play them in reverse, and then you'll hear the full quote from the grave mind. 
It's shit like that, like on the soundtrack. I remember all this shit. Oh man, I fucking loved it. Oh, here it is. Now the gates have been unlatched, headstones pushed aside, corpses shift and offer room a fate you must abide. I was just like, whoa! But like, you got to imagine, like, you don't see, and you like, there's flood everywhere, and it's just booming out of all of them. Because you can see, like, the actual, in Halo 2, you actually meet the physical grave mind, mm-hmm. but it's a hive mind, so it just speaks through all of them. Which is but, like, creepy and awesome. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> it's so fucking cool, Nick. I got to show you videos of it later, <laughs> because, like, Halo Remastered really made the grave mind, because Halo 2 had Xbox original graphics. Yeah, yeah. Halo 2, like, remastered, has it look gorgeous when you actually meet the grave mind. It's so fucking cool. I, so, I love the grave mind. In response, Vice Admiral Preston Cole mobilized the largest space fleet in human history to retake Harvest. The fleet defeated the Covenant ships at Harvest in 2531, but at great cost, with Cole losing two-thirds of his fleet. The highly advanced Covenant shielding and weapons systems uh, simply outclassed anything that they had, and so began the slow destruction of the human race. One by one, the UNSC um, colonies were all lost until by 2035, virtually all of the outer colony worlds had been destroyed by the Covenant, and the inner colonies had, were being invaded. The Cole Protocol was established by military order. All human vessels must ensure that the Covenant forces do not find Earth. To achieve this, whenever they must jump out of a battle, they must do so at, at a random, randomized vector that points away from any human worlds. Which is scary if you're a pilot. Because you're just going yeah. into empty space. Yeah, there's no... And you're running away from battle, so you're probably damaged. Um... Which is an, an issue that runs that they run into in the campaigns. By 2552, many of humanity's inner colonies had been destroyed by the Covenant. The UNSC leadership uh, assembled a strike team, including some Spartans, at the human command base on the planet Reach. In a move of desperation, the UNSC planned to launch a targeted strike against the Covenant leadership. This plan was abandoned when the Covenant launched a surprise attack on the world of Reach. Um, we could do an entire episode on Reach, and we will, because Reach had novels written about it before there was a game, and then there was a game called Halo Reach, which is still fucking good. During this battle, most of Reach is overrun and glassed, and the human fleet obliterated. Jod-117 is able to escape on the ship, uh, UNSC Pillar of Autumn, along with her crew. In fleeing the Covenant fleet, the Autumn's onboard AI Cortana uses some coordinates from a recently discovered Forerunner artifact that leads them straight to the Forerunner's installation uh, 4. Okay, a um, couple of things. One, there's an Easter egg at the end of Halo Reach where you're seeing the Pillar of Autumn loaded up and you're basically being told, like, make sure this ship gets shipped off here. It's got important cargo. And it's the only cutscene in the game where you have control of the camera, but you don't know that because you can pan to the left and you can see the case where Master Chief is in cryogenic storage. Uh, Master Chief's real name is John 117. Um, the Forerunners are a- aliens that inhabited this galaxy before humans. So, like, you hear a lot about the Forerunners. So, little known things that I neglected. 
Um, but the forerunners uh, become really important after Halo Reach. After Halo 3, I mean. Uh, yeah. Like, Halo 4 deals a lot with forerunners. The Pillar of Autumn exits subspace to find a mysterious ring-shaped space station orbiting the ga gas giant threshold. The ring, referred to by the Covenant as Halo, is an artificial construct that is teeming with life. A Covenant fleet, however, is also present in a subsequent battle, heavily damages the UNSC Pillar of Autumn, and the ship crash lands onto Halo. When you're on the Halos, it looks really fucking cool. Because, like, you know how, like, you can see the horizon? Mm -hmm. Like, it's literally a Halo and you're on the interior ring. So yeah, think, yeah. think a ring, and then you're on the inside of it. So if you look up, you can see... That yeah. you're on a ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, this is so cool. It's a really pretty kind of unexpected thing to see. And, and that's how you can tell that certain multiplayer maps are on Halos, because they kept that in the skyboxes. So one of the maps in Halo 3 is called Valhalla. And like, you're looking around, and you're like, oh, I'm on a Halo. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just how it is. Oh, there it is. The first Halo game begins in earnest with John 117's escape from the autumn and continues upon landing. The first levels of the game deal with an attempt to reach Halo's control center to uncover its purpose. It is soon discovered that the Covenant have accidentally released the Flood, a parasitic alien species. The Flood sweep across Halo, devastating human and Covenant forces positioned on it. The release of the, floods, the, re, the, release of the Flood prompts 343 Guilty Spark, an eccentric forerunner AI to try and activate Halo's defense system, a pulse weapon that when fired would wipe out all sentient life in the galaxy large enough to be hosts for the Flood. Yeah. Halos are cool. Guilty Spark's hilarious. Technically, that installation only has a maximum effect radius of 25,000 light years, but the pulse would trigger other installations as well, effectively killing all intelligent life in the galaxy. This system is designed to stop the flood from spreading throughout the universe if they escape uh, confinement from Halo by the only way possible, starving the flood of any life source that they can sustain them. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty dark. <laughs> yeah. It's why the Forerunners don't exist anymore. The only way we can stop them is to fucking kill everything. Yeah, make sure they just starve them out, because that doesn't even kill all the flood. Like, just doing the pulse doesn't kill the flood. It's... Flood is a good name for it, because it's an unstoppable force. And then wait till it gets smart. Wait till it gets a grave mind. It's Naturally, a, this would wipe out humanity as well. And so the final levels of the game revolve around John 117's attempt to destroy Halo before it fires by self-destructing the POA. Pillar of Autumn. Despite the abuse... Pillar of Autumn. <laughs> you, like, mumbled it. Oh, did I? Sorry. Pillar of Autumn. Despite the abuse sustained during the space battle and the following crash, the Pillar of Autumn remained intact and was subsequently occupied by investigating Covenant forces and later by Flood. Having manually triggered a destabilization of the power core, John 117 and Cortana commandeered a long sword from one of the Pillar of Autumn's docking bays and achieved a safe minimum distance before the ship exploded, causing the ring world to fragment. Operation First Strike Starts off with Master Chief and a few other survivors in space above the destroyed Halo. They capture a Covenant flagship and make their way back to Reach. When they arrive, they find most of the planet ravaged. Yet something is strange. The Covenant usually glass a world and move on, but there are small patches of the planet left unscathed. 
In an alternate storyline, we find out that the other Spartans have found an ancient forerunner structure under Oni's castle's base. Uh, there they find a crystal that warps space-time. Cortana, now in control of the Covenant ship, docks with a partially destroyed UNSC ship and combines their power. After toying around with the controls, she realizes that the Covenant know virtually nothing about the technology they possess. She redesigns the plasma cannons to, the, to fire more effectively, increasing their destructive power. She also finds out how the Covenant moves so easily through slipspace. The technology she gathers could effectively turn the tide of war. After going through many battles, John 117 and other Spartans discover a massive plot to attack the Soul System. They, co- they covertly attack and destroy a massive Covenant uh, refit and repair station, which results in the destruction of an attack force many times larger than the one that attacked Reach. In doing so, they lose the Covenant flagship, however, they save the UNSC ship and escape back to Earth with it. Uh, Halo 2. Uh, now we're going to do with Halo 2. Uh, the game starts with a Covenant attack on Earth. Uh, Master Chief begins on one of the 300 space defense platforms that orbit the planet. After repelling the Covenant boarding parties, the battle shifts to Earth's surface. A Covenant ship over the city of New Mombasa ta- makes a desperate slipspace jump to escape. The UNSC ship in amber clad manages to follow. In an alternate storyline, the Arbiter, the disgraced elite commander of the fleet, which were destroyed around the first Halo, crushes a movement which argues that the Covenant teachings are false. So the Arbiter is a weird character. Um, first off, when I say elite, elite is a species. Uh, it's like the main species you fight. Uh, the Arbiter is basically on a religious suicide mission. He needs to... He, he basically is now the Arbiter, who is like, you have the mark of the Arbiter and everything, and wears special armor that has no benefits. Like, it's just, you will now do these missions, these very special, particular missions, till you die. Let's hope that these give you your penance. Like, it's just like, okay. The Arbiter is a really interesting character, and at the time, when Halo 2 was released, um, because it's not like games now, uh, we didn't know the Arbiter was a thing. <laughs> like, we're playing Halo 2, playing Halo 2, they got this whole cutscene with the Arbiter, and then it's like, you're the bad guy now. You're like, you play as the Arbiter. Yeah. I was just like, oh! Neat! Like, there was no press, no release for that, like, you just find out when you're playing the game for the first time. It's really fucking cool. Yeah. I wish more games would do shit like that instead of blowing their load all over my face, neck, and chest before the game comes out. Yeah. Like, surprise me. <laughs> like, give me more Arbiters. Yeah, don't tell me everything about the game before I even have it. Yeah. Before it's even done being made. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. But I digress. Bungie at one point knew what they were doing. John 117 is transported to the vicinity of another Halo ring, the Delta Halo, on which uh, they land. John manages to assassinate the Prophet of Regret, one of the hierarchs. The Covenant ships bomb the area, and John is last seen sinking in the water. At this time, the Arbiter has been sent to the library to retrieve the Index, the key to activating the Halo. Once there, he is betrayed by the Brutes, 
who reveals that the prophets want the brutes to take over the elite's role in the covenant. Both John and the Arbiter wake up in the hands, or rather the tentacles, of a grave mind, which is the highest form of flood. He sends them to two different places. John is sent to high uh, charity, and the Arbiter is sent to the control room, all in a desperate attempt to stop the, stop the rings from firing. Yeah, grave mind. John fights through high charity, finding the body of the Prophet of Mercy, another hierarch. Fun fact about all the prophets. First off, there are another race of aliens in this. Um, secondly, uh, their names are really interesting. Prophet of Regret uh, has the least amount of regret for his actions in the entire game. Prophet of Mercy is the most ruthless. Like, it's just really interesting. I, I like how they always set that up. Um, anyway. He arrives too late to find the index, though, and decides to leave Cortana behind so that she can detonate high charity if there's a chance of the ring firing. John escapes through the Forerunner Dreadnought, which was in the center of the city. The Arbiter manages to find the index and prevents the rings from firing. 343 Guilty Spark reveals that although the index was removed before Delta Halo had time to complete its firing sequence, it sent signals to other Halos in the galaxy, putting them on standby mode now they can be activated remotely from the arc whose exact location is not revealed at this point um again more religious symbolism the covenant the flood the ark yeah it's all just like hyper religious symbolism prior to the slip space uh, rupture in halo 2 a large number of odsts are destined to drop into the Covenant carrier that evaded Earth's orbital defenses. The drop is initiated, but the ODST squad of gunnery surgeon Edward Buck Hell yeah, Buck! is commandeered by his superior and former love interest, Captain Veronica Dare of the, of, of the Office of Naval Intelligence, to drop into the city of New Mombasa as opposed to the Covenant carrier. The slipspace rupture causes the assault on the carrier to fail and Buck and Dare's squad uh, to scatter and land in different parts of the city. Yeah! You literally watch part of the events of Halo 2 take place at the beginning of ODST. You watch the slipspace rupture. It's fucking dope. So uh, you play as the rookie in this game. That's his name because uh, Halo really liked it not giving your characters names. I think they highly regretted giving Master Chief a name. <laughs> oh, anyway... Which doesn't make any sense to me, but like in um, ODSU plays the rookie, and in Reach you play as Delta Six or whatever, like some bullshit. <laughs> that guy. That guy. You play as you, the player. Anyway, St starring you, the player. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the rookie uh, wakes up about six hours later and must find his squad. He roams the city at night, discovering with the aid of the city's superintendent AI the fate of his fellow squad mates. He then picks up on Captain Dare's distress signal. The rookie fights his way into and through an underground facility where they meet up and continue to fight their way through a massive drone hive, which was wakened by the earlier detonation of an Oni building at the top of the shaft at the hands of Mickey and Dutch. These are all ODST members. They both find, uh, fight their way to the superintendent data core and discover a Covenant engineer, one of the many biological supercomputers and unwilling assistants to the Covenant, who has taken part, uh, taken apart the 
the superintendent's memory core and possesses vital information on the Covenant. Uh, engineers were cut content from Halo 3 that we thought would never show up but was made canon by the community because it makes sense. It fits perfectly in the lore and fills up holes. They just never showed up in Halo 3. They were originally supposed to. They had full models. Um, so, so I think because the fans said these are a thing, they made them a thing. They were just like, all right, fine, here, take them. <laughs> yeah, we already have the assets. We already, <laughs> like, made, we already made these. Um, they, along with Buck, fight their way to the highway and then down it. They arrive at a building where they hold off waves of Covenant until Mickey, Dutch, and Romeo arrive to pick them up. They arrive just before the Covenant, prepared to glass their previous uh, position, actually discovered to be an excavation project. They manage to escape just in time, only to realize that the Covenant... The Covenant... <sighs> they manage to escape just in time, only to realize that the Covenant has found what they were looking for. Yeah, so now we're going to take a quick detour to a- another novel. Uh, the Battle of Onyx begins with a group of Spartan Threes, which is not what John is. It's what you play as in Halo Reach. Uh, deployed, deploying to a Covenant Fleet refueling depot on uh, Pegasi Delta. They proceed to destroy the facility, but due to unexpectedly heavy Covenant resistance, all but two of the 300 Spartan team is wiped out. The only survivors, Tom B292 and Lucy B091, are revealed to be only 12 years old, and Lucy is traumatized and rendered mute. Because, uh, the Spartan Project didn't really have morals. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah. I mean... If you're taking children. John was kidnapped at what age? Like, six-ish? Yeah. Like, and, and trained throughout his entire life to be a soldier. Like, he's the product of child being a child soldier. Yeah. Like, that, that's just what it is. And these are more child soldiers. The Spartans were... Incredible soldiers, Spartans never die, but, um, they, yeah, this. This, <laughs> this happens. Um, the, no the novel then cuts to a raid by the Spartan 2 blue team on a rebel base at, the, at Planet Victoria to recover stolen nuclear warheads. The team is nearly captured by a rebel ambush, but is saved by the timely, intuitive intervention of Kurt 051. Shortly after, the novel cuts to a meeting between the top leadership of Oni. In this meeting, they agree that the Spartan 2 program is prohibitively expensive and that, more, that a more streamlined, disposable breed of Spartans must be trained for high-risk operations. Yeah. Because that's, that's how you make it better. We're just like, they need to be disposable. Yeah, so Spartan 3s are, for all intents and purposes, cheaper Spartans. Spartan 2s. They're usually not, uh, they're not kidnapped. There's no flash cloning involved. They're like, they're still kidnapped, but like, there's just, it's bad. They're, they're usually older when they're kidnapped, so they're, they're less, yeah, it's a whole, it's dark. <laughs> the Spartans are dark. We'll deal with it because I want to do a whole episode on Spartans. Um, trained on the restricted planet of Onyx, the top three teams of the S3 Gamma Company, Team Saber, Katana, and Gladius, uh, conduct a training exercise and run into some previously undiscovered Forerunner Sentinel. Through a series of events, the Covenant are alerted to the existence of Onyx and the human forces discover an ancient Forerunner city and are guided into a massive dome by Halsey, who 
determines that the entire planet is a shield world, referred to by the Forerunners as the Sharpened Shield. Fighting off determined Covenant pursuers, they press on into the heart of the planet to discover that the planet is literally a massive bomb shelter for the Forerunner to survive the activation of the Halos. However, they find themselves alone in the vast habitat, for some reason. The Forerunner never entered the structure when the Halos were first activated. Kurt 051 stays behind to activate a pack of Fenrir warheads, thus killing himself, covering pursuers, and obliterating on it. Halo 3 takes place two weeks after the end of Halo 2. The Covenant have all uh, but obliterated human resistance on Earth and have committed most of their forces in East Africa near the ruins of Mombasa. Marines and the Arbiter recovered John 117 after jumping from the Forerunner Dreadnought as it entered Earth's atmosphere, and they make their way back to the local UNSC base, Crow's Nest. John 117 defends the base and is cut off along with a small group of, a group of Marines. They make their way back to the town of Voy along the Savo Highway through numerous Covenant outposts. Yeah, that level sucks. Um, but I will say that there's a great joke at the beginning of Halo 3 because Master Chief keeps jumping out of fucking ships and uh, his buddy, who's one of the first people you interact with in uh, Halo 1, uh, who is a sergeant, uh, Sergeant Johnson, picks him up and goes, why do you always jump? I was just like, that's awesome. <laughs> um... Uh, it is revealed that a large Forerunner artifact has been dug up under the African desert by the Covenant, and the Prophet of Truth is going to activate it. Presumably, this is the Ark. So therefore, this would activate the Halos. And so a hasty attack is set in motion by Lord Hood to destroy the Forerunner Dreadnought with a surprise aerial assault. I don't think it's been explicitly said. The, the Covenant are trying to activate the Halos uh, because of a mistranslation. Their texts are mistranslated. They think that it will, uh, it, it will bring them on the great journey. Um, it sure will. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna bring you on a journey. Uh, so, so like the the covenant, and anytime anyone tries to be like, dude, you're literally gonna end the galaxy. They're like, no, guys, we're going on a journey. We're just trying to just trying to take a little trip. Yeah, because they their forerunner stuff's all mistranslated. So. Like, because it says, like, they don't even know the tech they have, because it's all, uh, derivative of Forerunner tech, but, like, they never created it. They yeah. just made it from what they had. They just reverse-engineered it, which, like, doesn't involve any of the making of it. Right. It's all, yeah. So, <laughs> the Covenant are just, like, mad, zealous, religious amalgamation. Um... However, the assault on the Dreadnought has absolutely no effect, and Truth activates the artifact all the same. A large portal is created above the artifact, into which the Covenant forces disappear. Soon after, a derelict Covenant cruiser appears out of slipspace and crashes nearby, infested with the flood. John 117 and the Arbiter make their way toward the ship, and as they near its location, a group of elite-controlled cruisers appeared, striking up an alliance with the humans and helping rid the city of flood. Master Chief enters the ship and retrieves a message from from Cortana warning that the warning that High Charity is heading to Earth full of flood. It is decided that the only frigate 
Forward onto dawn, the ship of uh, Miranda Keys, along with the elites, will go through the portal after truth and stop him from activating the rings, as well as find the solution to the flood that Cortana's message spoke of. Uh, I'm a huge fan, by the way, of how they name their ships. The Pillar of Dawn, or the Pillar, what is it? Um, they had a... Uh, Pillar of Autumn. Pillar of Autumn. They had the Forward Unto Dawn. They had one other, too. Um, it's the one from Halo 2, I think. Yeah, it's all just like really great names for ships, in my opinion. Um, and Amber Clad. Like, they're all really cool names. Um, the human elite forces uh, arrive at the Ark and engage the Brute Fleet. Master Chief makes landfall and finds the cartographer of the Ark, which leads him to the location of the remaining Covenant Loyalist forces at the Citadel. This leads to a trident strike at three shield generators guarding the citadel at the heart of the Ark. Uh, it basically big guns. Um, once all three generators have been deactivated, John 117 and the Arbiter breach the citadel after Truth kills Miranda Keys and forces Sergeant Major, M Sergeant Major Avery Johnson to activate the rings because only humans can activate the rings. Uh, spoilers for our spoiler podcast. Yeah. Humans are the direct descendants of the Forerunners. Uh, that's why the Grave Mind always refers to John as child of my enemy. I was just like, whoa! <laughs> Shit, dude. Um, upon executing the Prophet of Truth, the forged alliance between the UNSC Separatist forces is broken as they, their cause to eliminate the Covenant is complete. After John 117 and the Arbiter escape the Flood, they discover that a new Halo is being built to replace Installation 04, which is nearly complete. John 117 decides that the only way to destroy the Flood was to activate the newly built Halo, which was out of range of the other installations with Cortana. So basically, only that Halo would activate. Um, and it's not even finished, so it'll just... The Arbiter leaves to gather the surviving forces and get them ready to leave. And John 117 heads to the crashed high charity to recover Cortana. After wading through Tantamount to Infinity of Flood, uh, he recovers her and escapes to the new Halo with the Arbiter. After fighting their way up to the top of the control room, John 117 and the Arbiter enter the control room and attempt to activate the ring. However, 343 Guilty Spark attempts to stop John and Johnson from activating the ring saying that the charging sequence is of the incomplete halo will prove too much for the structure and cause it to tear, to tear itself apart. In the fight, 343 Guilty Spark mortally injures Johnson, but fails at killing Master Chief, whom destroys him with a Spartan laser. Hell yeah, Spartan lasers! Boo! Big gun. Big gun. Does the most damage in the game, but it's got a charge time. They succeed in activating the ring, however, as expected, the installation begins to fall apart, and once more does Master Chief make an attempt to escape Installation 04 in a warthog. The, the two board the Dawn, which then proceeds towards the portal. The Dawn heads into the portal just as the Halo fires, which closes, it, which closes as it gets halfway through uh, shearing the Dawn in half. Half of the Dawn, as well as the Arbiter, crashes back on Earth, and a memorial service is held for those who perished in the Covenant Human War, ending 
on the note of John 117's supposed death. At the end of the credits, a last cutscene shows that John 117 survived and put himself into cryosleep as Cortana activates a distress beacon. The rear half of the UNSC forward unto dawn is seen hurtling through space towards Requiem. Nearly four years after the end of Halo 3, Cortana wakes the chief up from cryosleep. They both discover that the remains of the dawn is in orbit of Requiem and under attack from the Covenant Remnant fleet. Upon detecting Chief, Requiem opens up dragging in the Dawn and Remnant fleet. John soon comes to find out that Cortana is suffering from rampancy. So rampancy is an interesting thing. Uh, Bungie actually dealt with it in their first major game, which is a game called Marathon. Um, rampancy is supposedly something that happens to AIs once they become self-aware. Um, and it's a real problem because they kind of lose their fucking mind. They, they realize that they're constructs. Mm-hmm. Um, so most in the Halo universe, dumb AIs don't go through rampancy because they don't have the intelligence threshold for that. But intelligent AIs are better for like being an AI on like a ship or, for example, with a Spartan. The issue is they usually have their mind wiped every seven years because then they can't go through that process of uh basically realizing i'm an intelligent construct what am i like and they go bananas because imagine realizing that uh, everything that is your life is a simulation like uh cortana like her brain is uh a flash clone uh a destroyed flash clone of halsey's brain like She's just another person's brain. Yeah. Like, imagine going through that process. Right. That's why the AIs go through rampancy. And rampancy usually involves them going fucking bananas. Um, in the game Marathon, the big bad guy was an AI who was an intelligent AI and who um, his only job was to uh, open doors, open the main doors to this particular place and lost his fucking mind because his entire existence is just opening doors so he lost his mind and took over the entire facility yeah like that's marathon like it's really cool yeah it's fucking dope um uh they kind of deal with that a little bit in hitchhiker's guide except that um the doors have ais and live to have people go through them and uh get pleasure out of it but the pleasure is sexual so every time someone goes through it they're like oh yeah like it's fucking great. I love hitchhikers. Uh, anyway, that was a uh, definitely a tangent. On the surface of Requiem, the duo discover the UNSC Infinity signal, attempting to contact them. In order to get a better lay of the land, they connected to the local cartographer and teleportation network. However, they discover that another force is present on Requiem. Realizing that the set of coordinates existed in teleportation system for the Infinity, the pair teleported to it upon arrival they discover that they were really in requiem's core but there was no infinity in sight satellite in the middle of the planet acted as a relay to the signal instead with beams of energy generating interference after disabling them the two head to the satellite in an attempt to get a signal to the infinity turns out though that the satellite was actually a cryptum which is a forerunner stasis device holding shadow of sundered star the Erd Didact. And that's where I'm leaving this because it'll work better that way thematically. We'll go back to dealing with the Forerunners uh, when I do my episode on the Forerunners. And I'm going to pick back up 
it's going to be a bit till we do that episode. Yeah. It's going to be a bit, but it works best narratively if we pick this up when we deal with the Forerunners, because the Didact is one of the most uh, important people to the Forerunners. The Didact and the Librarian. Uh, so we'll deal with that when we deal with that. Uh, know that next time we do Halo will probably be the episode on the Forerunners, because I want to do that, uh, but it'll be a little bit till we do Halo, because we did two episodes of Skyrim in a week, and a fucking back-to-back, we're fucking not doing back-to-backs again. <laughs> yeah. Mix it up a little bit for you, folk. Um, but yeah, that's that's what we got. Uh, like we like to end every episode, Nick, what have you been playing? Um, let me try and think here. Uh, Splatoon 2. I pretty much beat 100% the Octo expansion. Hell yeah! Ex- with the exception of... As I punched the fucking pop filter. Yeah. With the exception of... Um, the hero refight. Oh yeah, that's tough. <laughs> Those fucking suck. Yeah. I mean, it's dope that they brought like the main character from Splatoon One Dude, back. I was hyped about that. But like, fucking little bitch. Yeah, she's a dick. He or she. He or she. Choose it. I I made it like my character from Splatoon One. Yeah. Um, cause that's what it's supposed to be. Um, so yeah, just that. Um. I picked up Enter the Gungeon because it was on sale. Oh, what do you think? It was fun. It's fun. Yeah, I've, it's I've, fucking balls I've hard. It. I've I've seen Enter the Gungeon. It looks balls hard. Uh, it's pretty fun just to play a few levels every once in a while. It was like fifty percent off, so I was like, fuck it. Um, played some Fortnite with with Josh. Um, because <laughs> that's all I've been playing. I uh, I played one match by myself and I won. So I pr- I'm pretty much king of Fortnite now. Yeah, Might I'm as well the retire. Best. Might as well retire while I'm ahead. Um, Fortnite's one of those games where I really do realize it's as dumb as it looks. Oh, absolutely. And I think Fortnite kind of realizes it's as dumb as it looks. I don't think it's trying to be anything more than it is. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, and But I think it's a blast. Uh, I have a lot of fun playing it. Um, yeah, so I've been playing a fuckload of that. So is that all you've been playing? Uh, yeah, I mean, we can, we can talk about Pokemon Go. Yeah. So, um, last weekend was, uh, Zapdos Day, so they did, uh, Zapdos Raid for three hours straight on Saturday to try and get a shiny. Let me tell you my experience with this fucking Zapdos Raid. I was in New Hampshire. Uh, I, my parents were up there for, uh, probably about five or six days, so when the weekend came, my brother and I were like, hey, let's head up there for two days, for, like, let's leave after work on Friday, head back on Sunday. And then we'll, um, so, so we don't miss any work. Uh, so, so we do that, and, and barring the five hours of traffic I had on the way back, it was a pretty fun experience. However, where we stay in New Hampshire is, uh, I guess the best way to describe it is bumfuck nowhere. Um, it's really, there's no one there. Like, the, the, the high school there is, like, grades 6 through 12. Like, they just, like, it's outrageous, like, how small this town is. So the, there were uh, a couple, the, the raid thing started when we were in town. I was like, Daniel, let's see if anyone on here plays. Let's, let's try to do this. So we're, we're sitting in probably the most populated. We went to like the middle of the most populated area of gyms. And, and uh, we're, we're just waiting, seeing if anyone will, will show up in a lobby. And then um, one other person does. And she walks over. She goes, you two the ones playing? And we were like, yeah. Because I'm from Wisconsin. I don't think anyone around here plays. So the only other person who showed up was also from out of state. <laughs> um, 
but uh yeah so 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 you caught it for me um yeah i mean i didn't catch you a shiny but i caught you you caught me a couple uh yeah i caught you two regular zapdos i got myself a shiny uh, I played with my with my friend Bro. He didn't catch a shiny, but he caught like every single Zapdos we did, which was like nine or ten. Jesus. Uh yeah, we just started at one end of the park with like a group of like sixteen people and walked through the entire park with them. Fuck yeah. Uh, so it was pretty dope. And then um I hatched two Alolan Vulpix back to back on my way walking back to my car. So fucking mad at you. Um and I was just and it was literally because I I'm walking and I'm like, oh, like a group of four eggs were hatching. They were all Alolan. And like the first one was like a Grimer. And then like all I hatch is Sandshrew. So I was like, this is going to be a fucking Sandshrew. And like it hatched and it was a Sandshrew. And, I w- and then like the third one I was hatching, I was like, wow, look at all these Alolan Vulpix I'm not getting. And then it, what, I was like, wait a minute. This is a Vulpix. That's fucking dope. And then my fourth one was hatching while I was still freaking out that I finally got a Vulpix. And then it was another Vulpix. I was like, oh shit. That's fucking dope. Yeah, eventually I'll get something that isn't an Alolan Grimer out of those eggs. Yeah, and then um, they changed the raids like I was talked about last time. So I have a Registeel, I have a Alolan Raichu, and a Alolan Marowak. And Fuck you I, on that, man. I'm more mad that you got the Marowak than the Registeel. All I got out of that list is a Raichu. Um, and I did a Curlia raid, so I now have a Gardevoir. And... Um, I'm doing every Porygon right I can see. I so, need to do those too. So um I can so I can get enough uh candies to evolve into a Porygon too. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think that's about it for that. Yeah. It's just me always playing catch up because I'm too damn busy. Um, but yeah. Uh I think that's it. I haven't really been playing anything else, I've just been playing some Fortnite. Trying to get the, cause I got the, I bought the battle pass, so I'm trying to get all the, the upgrades for all the uniforms of the battle pass, uh, which are dope. Um, yeah. So we didn't play D and D this week, but we can talk about what we did instead. Um, <laughs> so instead of playing D and D, now if you usually don't listen for D and D corner, you're definitely not gonna want to listen to what we do talk about because this is a uh, concert corner. Um, Welcome to Concert Court. Instead of playing D&D, half the party, including Nick and myself, went uh, and saw Panic at the Disco in uh, Boston at TD Garden. Man, that was a fucking show, dude. Yeah, it was, I haven't really like... <laughs> uh, yeah, we haven't really talked because like the entire ride home, we were just silent because we were dead. Because, you know, we had that concert hangover. Yeah. And just like being in Boston all day, like traveling around. Yeah, just you get we beat. Just, we were just dead. But uh, yeah, I've seen them probably over ten times. But this was your first time seeing them. Yeah, then them, I popped. So... I, I popped my Panic at the Disco cherry. So I'm I'm curious what you thought. I mean, Cause, he... and also because you don't you don't go to concerts. I don't much. go to concerts a lot. So um, I'm really curious on your take. First off, the venue TD Garden is actually way better for concerts than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's not bad. I've I... been there a couple of times. It's not bad because like I've been to con I've been to one concert at Gillette, and I swore off going to stadiums ever well, since. Gillette's open it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what made this better. Yeah. TD, and I've been to Garden before because hockey. So uh, I I kind of expected it. You you scored us pretty dope seats. Yeah. Like you, we got club seats, which uh at the Garden are pretty good. They're they're not on the top balcony. They're like in the middle. In the middle of the lower balcony, which like we were pretty close. Like it, it wasn't bad. I I didn't have to use the screen. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um. I could see Brendan Urie and all his fabulousness perfectly fine. Um, the concert itself, the uh, 
first group that went on, uh, Haley Kyoko. Yeah. Pretty bumping. She looked like she was having a lot of fun. I fuck with it. Arizona is the music I listen to when I fall asleep. So I was literally falling asleep while <laughs> at a live show because yeah. it's the kind of music I listen to when I fall asleep. Yeah. Um, but then Panic came on and he jumped out of a toaster. And man, does he know how to put on a fucking show. I know. It's so fucking great. He really knows how to put on a show. Like, non-stop action. It's, non-stop it's the blast. reason why I've seen them so much because, like, there's plenty of bands I've seen multiple times, but there's some bands just like, okay, like they'll come by and you'll be like, I don't really care. Yeah. But like every time it's just like, yes, because like I've seen them 10 times and I had a blast this time because he always does something different. Yeah, he, he had a lot of fun. He like flew on a piano yeah. across the crowd. That like, was fucking, like I've seen people go on a piano and go up. Yeah. Uh, last time I saw a Fall Out Boy at the Garden, um, they had like uh, a mini stage. Like a mini, like think of like a cube that had like screens all around it, and they stood on top. Ah, oh, that's cool. But it still, it just went, it up just and went then up, down, up and then down. But he went up on a piano and then went across the fucking floor. Yeah, he like walked through the crowd to the other side of the pit while singing an entire while song. while singing an entire song and, and getting molested. I think for better, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, gets on the stage and plays Dying in L.A. as he flies back across the, the the fucking crowd playing piano the entire time. I'm just like, holy shit! And then just like comes back down at the stage and yeah, gets off. And gets off. I was just like, that's crazy! That concert was kind of bananas. Yeah. Just because like he really knew how to put on a good show. That voice range really fucking shows. Yeah, I love... Yeah, that's why I love him live, because he just Everything like normally like in some songs he'll go high like he'll just do a stupid yeah. high note but like he does it all the time because yeah, he's got an incredible range for like uh, when he's live and, and he insane. he only did one cover song if, if you're not familiar with the songs he did yeah you're right he did way more than one he did three yeah he did he did like two and a half yeah I think he had what, the I one what, I don't know what the first one was he did the first one I don't know what the name of it is I could pull it up. Um, and he did that into Dying in L.A. Yeah, which was incredible. And then he did Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Oh, which yeah, I was... forgot about Girls Just Want to Have Fun because he's friends with Cindy Lauper now Fucking because of Kinky Boots. Yeah. So he did that. And then, and like, the, the last cover song he did was um, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And with his range compared to, uh, what's his name? Um, the fuck is Freddie his name? Mercury. Freddie Mercury. God, that... That's going to be in an episode the, <laughs> of my voice saying what the fuck is the lead singer of Queen's name. His vocal range isn't that far off from Freddie Mercury's is what I'm trying to say. The other cover was I Can't Make You Love Me. Yeah. Did you pull up the set list? Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I really liked that and I wish I could hear a professionally done cover of that song by Freddie, Mer- uh, by Freddie Mercury yes. and by uh, Brendan Yuri. Um but yeah, it was a pretty incredible show. I, I don't go to concerts very often um, because they cost a billion dollars. Because they cost a billion dollars. But uh, it was worth it. Yeah, it was really great. Like, And he played for like, he played a really long set list and he played for two hours. Yeah, he played it for was great. two hours and played every song I wanted him to play. Like, dude, he ended, didn't he end with um, fucking I Write Sins, Not Tragedies? Uh, the His on on quote unquote encore was uh say amen i write sins and then victorious yeah like it was good like he was just like this is the song that made me famous and then goes into i write sins i was like whoa (laughs) thought you'd be sick of this song by now buddy i wasn't expecting that 
Yeah, it's just one of those, like, you have to play every show like it's somebody's first. So, like, if you go to a Panic show... Well, I wasn't expecting 9 in the Afternoon, either, to be perfectly honest. Because yeah. that's the only song off that album that most people know. It's the only song off that album that that's, they play. Yeah, because <laughs> that album was kind of garb. But, like, not because of Brendan Urie. Yeah. But, yeah, it was fucking dope. <laughs> um... So yeah, they played pretty much the entire new album, uh, and uh, a bunch of the last album, and then some tidbits off others. So yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was fucking dope. And I like the the back screens were fucking dope, and they you know just have pyrotechnics and shit for some songs. Yeah, remember that time that that one pyrotechnic just didn't stop? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just kept going, and he like goes over and blows on it. Just yeah, put it out. Just like. Whew. Well, yeah, the stage, like, the the stage was, like, a, like, person height, because he'd go into the stage and pop out of the stage in places. And yeah, they would, like, co- they would constantly go into the stage and back out. And then things would pop out of the stage, like, a full drum set rises up at one point, a full piano rises up. Like, it was really cool. It was, it was a great show. I'm really glad I went. Uh, I'm also really glad I took today off. So, uh, yeah. I also don't have to go until 10 tomorrow. Basically, I'm on vacation. <laughs> I, um, I'm on a mini vacation. I'm on, I, I go, I don't have to go until 10 tomorrow, and then I'm closing, and then I have the weekend off. Fuck yeah. Fuck <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, uh, that's all I got. Yeah, me too. Uh, so check us out on social media. We are on both Twitter and, Twitter and Instagram. At Navi underscore Tails. Again, at Navi underscore Tails. Uh, send me pictures of your recent haircuts, because I really need one. I'm fucking poofy That's right now. That's not what I was, thought you were going to say, but sure. <laughs> uh, I'm real poofy right now. I um, mean, I knew one too. But. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll see you later. <laughs> see ya. Bye, I love you. So, uh, on February 3rd, uh, 2525, the UEG Colony of Harvest. Duel. Oh, God, I heard that come up. Yeah, dude, you just heard it come all the way up. It's just like, it's coming. Yeah. One by one, the UN... The UN... John one John one one seven is able to escape on the ship UNSCS UNSC. John one one seven is unable is no is able. <laughs> He's not. You can't make it. <laughs> Fuck it. Can't make it. <laughs> yeah, he ain't coming this time around. Despite the abuse sustained during the space bottle, bo- bottle. <laughs> the space <laughs> bottle. In an alternate storyline. <laughs> Uh, John one one John one one seven is transported to the vicinity of another Halo ring, uh, named the Delto. The Delto. John one one seven is transported to the vicinity of another Halo ring. How the fuck did I spell tentacles wrong? Keep going. <laughs> Me of all people. <laughs> yeah, you love hentai. Yeah, dude, my love for hentai knows no bounds. He spelled tortellini wrong. He didn't get it. I fucking heard you. He didn't get it. John 117 is transported to the vicinity of another Halo ring uh, named the Delto. I did it again. John 117 is still trying to get to this fucking ring.
They arrive just before the cover. <laughs> Upon uh, executing the prophet of troop, troop. Uh, that one's for you guys. Uh. 